G'day mates, welcome back to another episode here of the MindMate podcast and I'm very excited to bring you this episode. It's very, very special to me actually. It is with Renee Satsis who is the helpline coordinator and she does a lot of facilitation work at ArcVic. Now, ArcVic is the Anxiety Recovery Center Victoria. So you can tell why it's, uh, it's, it's quite important to me. So just straight off their website, guys, it's a statewide specialist mental health organization providing support, recovery, and educational services to people and families living with anxiety disorders. So their aim is to support and equip people with knowledge and skills that will build resilience and recovery and reduce the impact of anxiety disorders. And, you know, anxiety was um, very prevalent with my li- within my life a couple of years back, and that's kind of what started me on this journey in, in building the MindMate podcast and, and now moving into counseling myself and, um, and building the initiation programs for young men. But it was, uh, it was a scary time, you know, by definition, scary time. I, I, there was a lot of chaos around me, and um, I, I had no idea um, uh, as to who I was really and what was going on, what was going through my head. I didn't understand what, how or where these thoughts manifested themselves. Um, you know what's really interesting as well? There's, just, there's that kind of idea that um, mental health, the, stig- the stigma behind mental health is that you shouldn't feel alone. And I guess what's really interesting about that is it through my studies, uh, studying counseling, studying the mind, looking into psychology, reading up about the evolutionary processes that led us to 20, nearly 2020, 2019, is that anxiety actually makes you feel alone because it's literally you against the uh, figure of the mind's imagination, which could be a saber-toothed tiger, you know, from, from, uh, from the primitive perspective. So, when you feel anxious, you actually feel alone. So it's not just the idea that if you're going through a rough trot, you know, you should feel like you can talk to someone. I mean, of course you should. And I think actually a lot of us get that. But when you are anxious, you you, you do, it is you against the world. And that's because your brain and your nervous system and the, the, the smoke detector in your brain has just gone off. It's called the amygdala. Uh, it's just gone off and it's gone right I'm in peril danger. So it's like, I, 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 me, me, me. Now, I'm not trying to sound condescending and I'm, I'm not trying to say, you know, anxiety is a, is a selfish uh, emotion. I mean, it is by definition, but not in the in the negative context of it. But I think that's really important to know, you know. So when you are, if you are struggling and you, you, you feel that there is also a stigma, just know that the evolutionary circuitry is actually kind of adding to that, 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 very severe, debilitating self-consciousness, okay? We all experience it because when you're in that spot, it's like, wow, I need to save myself. What's really cool about ArcVic is that they are not only generalizing in terms of anxiety disorders, but they move through social anxiety disorder, OCD, depression, hoarding, specific phobias, PTSD. They move through body dysphoric disorder, GAD, which is generalized anxiety disorder and panic disorder. Okay, so there is something for everyone <laughs> to to use a, uh, a generalization there. But Renee and I had an incredible incredible chat. Uh, I just tried to listen to her talk as much as um, as much as I possibly could because she's a world of knowledge. And she had, she and I actually did a talk at the Q Bears Football Club. That's actually how we met. So 
Without further ado, guys, I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode and I love you all. Oh, and yes, a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, next week, the episode number 66, the MindMate Initiation Program. It's a complete episode, completely, uh, I've, I've said completely now three times. <laughs> it's completely dedicated, now four times, dedicated to uh, unpacking what the initiation program is all about. So I'm really excited for you to, uh, to listen to that. But without further ado, guys, here's Renee. Love you all. Bye. The Pale Blue Dot. Is this your first podcast? Yeah, I've done a few like radio things and stuff, but not like a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. not like an informal podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. the best kind of to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Renee, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. We met uh, when we gave a talk at the Q Football Club. Yeah. And that went really well. That was really it was fun. good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was it was really good. good. Such a nice community feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, so why don't you give the uh, listeners a bit of a background on who you are sure. and um, not necessarily who you are as to what you do, okay, but yeah. um, just who you are. Yeah, well, I'm Renee. Um, <laughs> who am I? Yeah, I'm a social worker by trade, I guess, um, and I work in the anxiety space. Um, I train a lot of volunteers and uh, other professionals in the field, but who am I? Yeah, I've got a, um, a husband and two young kids. I've got twins that are five, nearly oh, six, wow. going on, you know, 16. Wow. Um, so they keep me on my toes a lot when I'm at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, what's twins like? Yeah, it's, um, I guess I have nothing to compare it to, Very which is, true. I think, probably a blessing. Yes. Because um, everyone kind of goes, wow, that would be full on, and it is, but um, I don't know any different either. So. Mm. And they're great mates, you know, so they've got a play buddy 24-7. Yeah. You know, they like every sibling yeah. as well. They kind of get frustrated at each other and <laughs> kind of don't want to see each other sometimes. But they've also got someone who's always at that same level of interest and at that same level of play. So it's mm. actually quite nice. Yeah. That's a good point. I, yeah. I imagine like twins would probably get, maybe like when puberty hits or anything, they get like a little bit clicky and stuff. And yeah. That would be interesting. It will be interesting <laughs> to see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Get their own They've language. got a nice bond, but sometimes they need some space. And I think, you know, we're all a bit the same. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. yeah I was, um, I was doing a, uh, like a spin class in Scotland, actually, believe it or not. This sounds very, very uh, off topic, but the lady who was doing the spin class was saying that um, she just had kids. Yeah, right. And you just reminded me of what she was telling me then. She said that, you know, she's got nothing to compare it to, so yeah. she wouldn't know. But also when her friends try to give her, um, you know, parenting advice, <laughs> it's just like, well, you can't compare it, it to twins. Yeah. It's, it's totally different. It's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, like you can't, for example, when they're both crying at the same time, attend to a, it sneeze all the time. You know, you yeah. have to kind of, it was hard. Yeah. Because yeah. you have to go on, oh, who needs the most attention right now? And I'll t- backtrack from there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so that's such a good point. Yeah. How is, how is um, being a parent and then having twins changed you as a person? Oh, so much. Yeah. Mm. I used to think I was really patient. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And so now my patience is tested on the daily and that's okay, you yeah. know, because, um, you know, we can all get better at things <laughs> that we think that we're good at. Um, yeah. But, you know, it just, um, I guess it reminds me about just focusing on the things that are important, mm. you know, and on, um, you know, what's important for me, what's important for my family and having those goals and working towards them. And sometimes having a bit of perspective on those little things that can remain little things that yes. don't really matter. 
Yeah. You, know? yeah. you can almost like prioritize the stress. That's it. I don't have time to be stressed about everything. True. So I'll prioritize it to the things that need my most attention and take it from there. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a really good point. That's a really good point. That's actually a really good point and segue into um, kind of what you do. You know, yeah. so why, so you do social work, but why did you have a specific interest with anxiety then? Yeah, I kind of, um, yeah, I've been at Arcvic for about 10 years nearly. Wow. So it, yeah, I think that says something about the organization, mm. you know, it's quite rare and there's a lot of staff that have been there for a long time. Um, I guess I fell into it because, um, it kind of naturally happened, but I've stayed there because it's just. I think if you work in anxiety or if you work in anything to do with people, you're going to come across anxiety anyway. Yeah. So it's just such a core issue Mm. that so many people deal with, you know, and there's, yeah, there's not enough support. There's not enough awareness of what it actually is. Mm. I think it's also become one of those words that we kind of throw around haphazardly and we go, oh, I'm feeling a bit anxious, but we kind of mean stressed. Mm. And so then that actually loses meaning for what it feels like for someone at that very end of the spectrum of mm-hmm. really struggling with a disorder, you know, and how debilitating and how life-changing that can be. And I don't know, I just feel really passionate about that and feel like there's so much more that needs to be done. And, mm. it's so, you know, you can hear people crying out for the fact that people don't get it and that there's they need spaces to go to where they feel like they can share that experience. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I love about Arc Vic is that it's specific to anxiety and OCD as well, which yes. is kind of like a different branch from the same tree. Yeah. Um and you're totally right, you know, that that end of the spectrum individual um kind of feels devalued when people refer to their you know, the situation is, oh, I'm really anxious or I've got OCD. And, yeah, you know, oh, I'm well, a bit OCD because I like everything to be neat. That's right. It's really frustrating. Maybe you just like things yeah. to be neat. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yes, you're right. OCD is something that's really core to um, ArcVic. We actually started out as an organisation just for OCD about 30-odd wow. years ago, kind of around someone's kitchen table because – and they all had lived experience with OCD and they were all kind of highlighting the fact that there was no – there was nowhere to go. There were no services that actually got it. Mm. And so they started up a support group mm-hmm. and then the organization grew from there. So it's something that's still really close to our hearts and that we make sure it's important to have it in our, you know, it's part of the name of our helpline. Mm. Um, it's important that people know it's, um, we're still here for that purpose. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, do you want to give the listeners um, a bit of a rundown, I guess, anxiety, OCD, um, what yeah. do we need to know? Yeah. Well, I guess it's such a huge area. There's yeah. Like, and, and Tell I guess me about that, the reality yeah. of this of the life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reality is that can, it can be really bloody hard. Yes. You know, um, and it can be incredibly crippling and debilitating. And I think we've heard a lot about depression over the years and that we've come a long way into understanding that better as a community and destigmatizing it and getting more of a sense of if that's where we're at. Mm. But there's so much that we still need to do for anxiety that at its worst it can be so crippling i mean we speak to people who are housebound for days weeks months years you know um and from very young ages um so we often support families who might have a teen who hasn't left their room for a couple of years you know Mm. and that's heartbreaking for everybody very Um, much so yeah 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 so i mean i guess anxiety can take so many forms um and i guess it's all about fear you know, and that fear can be around social situations or it can be that endless kind of uh, worry and kind of being that kind of person who's always thinking about worst case scenarios and what if this happens and what if that happens and I'll never cope if that does and then if that does, all of these other things will happen. 
Um, there's of course um, phobias that people, I guess, often um, are, are aware of. Um, yeah. You know, um, but we might speak to people who say have phobias around things like blood and needles and might have some hospital visits that need to come up and that's wow. really hard, mm. you know. Um, so it can take on so many different forms. We also look at things like um, panic and post-traumatic stress because it has such a huge um, anxiety element in its kind of symptoms. Mm. So, yeah, there's so many. But I guess really at the crux of it, it can be so uh, isolating for people. Yeah. You know, they can start to feel really disconnected from others around them. And, and sometimes it can be hard to express what they're going through and get people to understand that maybe if they haven't turned up to a social function, it's not because they're rude and they're not interested in going, it's because they just can't. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah they're, they're just they're moving through something at the moment yeah. that needs to yeah. needs to be prioritised, I suppose. And yeah. yeah, and I think what I really loved about what you said before is, um, you know, the idea behind reducing stigma is essentially, to me anyway, and I'd love for you to chime in on this but making sure people understand it and when someone says something like oh i'm anxious um, or i'm depressed or i'm going through something it's almost like i have this other thing that i'm not looking at or i can't um get help with you know but it's if we actually turn to the issue it's like there's actually a lot of things we can do about it you know um where do you think is kind of like the the fundamental uh miscommunication misconception between what anxiety is we'll focus on anxiety but what it really is and then i suppose what we can do about it yeah i think it's because it's become such a daily word yep. that it again it's it's lost its meaning and its essence of how how full-on it can be for somebody mm. um it's just this flippant oh, i'm a bit anxious yeah <laughs> and for some, sometimes we are a bit anxious or again maybe we mean a bit stressed yeah or know. excited mm. if you look at the symptoms yeah feelings. i'm a bit nervous yeah. about something and they're all really normal things and yes. so is anxiety to an extent yes but as soon as i guess when it starts to impact on our functioning then it's becoming i guess we're getting a sense that we've got more than we need to survive mm-hmm. and to function and to keep us safe from, um, you know, danger. Yep. Yeah. But um, you're right. Sometimes when we say I'm a bit this, it feels like we can't do anything about it. But there are certainly lots of things we can do to um, support ourselves. Um, yeah, and that's different for everybody because mm. we're all, you know, we all respond to different things. And for some that might be seeing a counsellor or a psychologist or... Uh, for others it's going to a support group to minimize that feeling of being so alone and um, increase that feeling of feeling like you know there's others who get it there's others who are going through the same struggle and i don't feel like i have to explain myself to the nth degree for them to understand what i'm going through you know but then on a personal level as well there's so many practical strategies that we can incorporate into our days whether that's breathing or mindfulness or you know some sort of activities that we can do and i think a lot we hear about mindfulness as well and it loses its uh, yeah. meaning as well you yep. know here's another thing that can lose its meaning and we think it's something a technique to relax and we don't always necessarily feel relaxed when we practice mindfulness but it helps us to get out of the thinking traps that we're often caught up in when we're really anxious and just focus on what's actually happening right now yep whether that's grounding into our bodies or our breath or any of our senses, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, God, there's so many... We could talk for a long time. You know, I, think. <laughs> I bet we could. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just... Um, what I'm really interested in is, you know, we have, especially me, I'm 26, um, you know, grown up, especially when... Um, 
pharmacology came into you know the world and you know neuroscience and we were looking at um, the brain in the MRI imaging in the 90s it's distinct from the mind mm. you know and the mind is kind of like well human beings are subjective experiential creatures the brain's like well they're just computers and I think we've kind of done this a little bit yeah. um, and what's really exciting about this sort of technology and discussions like this is we can start to kind of level out again and like you know normalizing situations like yeah. hey your experience will be challenging for all of us it makes sense that you yeah. are anxious right now you know yeah. um one thing i'd really like to speak about is when someone is at that you know tipping point almost where things are looking really bad yeah. um and they're having suicidal thoughts which i know is different from actually acting it out yeah um where does the friend come in? What what can someone do that perhaps feels a bit nervous to engage someone in yeah, the conversation? Great question because um, it's such important work and, you know, um, it's such a big issue that we have with suicide, um, whether it's related to anxiety or about anything that people struggle with in life. Mm. As a friend, I think it's really important to start a conversation so if there's if you've noticed that um, someone in your life isn't tracking very well and you, you have a concern to sit down and have a talk about it, mm. whether it's in person, whether it's in over text, whether it's on the phone, whatever it is that you think the other is going to be willing to engage in. But to name it. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that you haven't been going so great. I guess something's been playing on my mind and mm. I've been wondering if you've been thinking about suicide as an example. Yes. Actually naming it. Yeah. Because then we get a yes or a no. Yeah. You know, um, and then we can talk about what, what it is that's got them to that point. That's, mm. um, and sometimes this part is missing in conversations. We go straight to freaking out and going, oh, well, let's work out how, how we can keep you safe from those thoughts. That's really scary. And that's all well and good, but yeah. we actually just sit, need to sit down and talk about why. Why is it that you're feeling so bad? Mm. What is it that's got you to this point? I love that. And, and it, it may even help the sufferer uh, try to untangle the web of thoughts themselves because yeah. they may not even know. Just like, like oh, everything. wow, someone's noticed me. That's I'm, right. And pulled back into the world. 100% because often when someone's in that low point, they might be feeling really alone, really isolated, and perhaps like no one's actually noticed. And yeah. all of a sudden, whether it's your mate, whether it's a stranger down the street says, are you all right? Like, I'm a bit worried about you. You seem a bit off. I've noticed this and that about you. Are you Are you thinking about suicide? That in itself speaks volumes to someone who might feel like no one's noticed up until now. Mm. Um, and that we're quick to go to planning how to protect. But it's actually about sitting in the story yeah. and talking about it. Just like with everything else, when you have an opportunity to say something that maybe has been going around and around in your head, sometimes that can take out the... The heaviness, yep. the you know all those old proverbs: a problem shared is a problem half, yeah. and all that. Like, <laughs> there's true. actually a lot of truth in yeah. them. You know? and, and this conversation about suicide is no different to any other. Yes. Any other problem that we face. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? Something really cool you said before as well. Um, naming it. You know, there's if you look at like any horror movie, they always say name the demon because it gives you yeah. power over it. Yeah. I feel right. it's like a really cool analogy yeah. of like anxiety almost. Yeah. You you you're. Uh, you're bringing yourself to the attention of a problem. You're like, oh, wow, I 100%. actually have to deal with this now. Yeah. But when you see it, it's kind of like, it's not this big scary thing that you're not looking at anymore. Yeah. And, and it's also hard if you're someone who's worried about someone and you haven't named it, you're likely to actually walk away from a discussion with them still incredibly worried. Yeah. And maybe you've tried to talk about where they're at, but it hasn't quite gotten to the point that 
about suicide, which is what you were thinking about. And maybe they're not actually going to bring it up if you don't for Mm. lots of reasons. You know, I mean, there's a good chance that maybe they've tried before and it hasn't gone very well or people have just not picked up on those cues at all. And it can be scary to pour your heart out to that level and tell someone that you're thinking about suicide if you're not sure that they're actually willing to have that kind of conversation. Yes. Yeah. You and I, uh, when we gave that talk, we briefly spoke about The Lost Connections. Mm. Yeah, did you end up finishing that book? book. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's so good. And it does make you think because, um, you know, I um, was always very big on to, you know, kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps and what can you do, you know, as an individual. But it does beg the question, and I love your insight onto this, um, as to why... As the world is getting richer, we seem to be suffering more anxiety and depression, whether more and more people are just talking about it now or mm. whether it actually is becoming a big issue. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Do you that? Do you think that consumerism society has a lot to do with the I'm not good enough sort of thing, you know? Yeah. It's really easy to fall into that mindset, isn't it? Yeah, it's so to, easy. It's you just so need easy. to follow the wrong kind of pages yeah. and people on social media to feel like that all the time. That's right, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that book really rang true for me on so many levels. Like, we're so connected these days. Yeah. We can be, you know, because we think we're connected because we've got access to information 24-7 and yep. we can connect online. But what does that actually mean about sitting down with someone and having a talk face to face? You know, I th- I can't remember the stat, but I remember me- reading something alarming about the amount of texts on average that a young person sends a day. I wouldn't even want to know. It's like in the hundreds. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's crazy. But having it, just sitting down and having a conversation, like we've lost the art of doing that yeah. and actually connecting person to person. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of problems with that. That's true. It can also be great, you know, in yep. connecting to people that are like-minded or kind of looking for groups to support you but yeah it shouldn't be one or the other i think and yeah. i think it seems like we're just becoming so much more disconnected the more you know the more things that we have that make our lives easier the less connected we are you know you don't even have to go to the supermarket anymore if you don't want to yeah you can just order all your groceries <laughs> online and that's great yes. when you're busy but it also means you don't stop and chat to your neighbor. Hey, how are you? And, you know, yeah. that person down the road that you haven't seen for a while or the other school mum, or, you know, the cashier, mm. you know, it, those it just, things matter. Yeah, it yeah. really does. It, you know, the, the these evolutionary circuits are geared towards uh, pleasure and reward, you know, but we've commoditized that and uh, it's scary. You look at yeah. the OCD things that come from porn or whatever mm. and you know gaming and yeah just the you know from yeah. the fundamental root of disconnection you, you're totally yeah. right do you also think as well that a lot of it comes down to a lack of direction like a lack of um purpose mm. because i feel that like you said before so much of our world now is is so easy that yeah. we don't really have to become more more than who we are we don't have to kind of like level up in the pursuit of something because yeah, we can yeah. just press something i don't know I'd be interested yeah to hear. yeah it's a hard one i'm not sure where i sit on that yeah and but i think the flip side of that is also we put a lot of pressure on young people to that's true too. decide what and who they want to be at a very young age when their brains are hardly even developed yes um and we all pinpoint all of that on year 12 yeah and oh, yeah. make it the be all and end all and we've gone so far down that path that that's actually really damaging as well and really you know that's a really dangerous kind of period for a lot of young people mm. uh, where it almost feels easier to give up than to 
pursue I don't know what I want to pursue yeah yeah Yeah. how am I supposed to know what I want to pursue I haven't even kind of experienced anything yeah yeah that's so true yeah Yeah. so yeah I see both sides of that yeah I don't know that either of them are ideal yeah Yeah. there's no kind of um, yeah pun the pun like pill that we can take or (laughs) (laughs) we know that yes very well (laughs) yes true yeah so how's it changed you then you know because I'm sure that the more you learn and the more you interact with people that the kind of like the way um, you know your practices the, the way you yeah. parent the way you talk with friends yeah yeah love to know that I think it just always reminds you that you uh, just to slow down really yeah. it's really important to slow down and take that time to just really chat with people whatever it's about whether they're actually talking about their mental health or just about how their day was mm. you know that we just need to make sure we slow down and spend time actually really connecting, Mm -hmm. whether that's actually sitting down and playing with your child or really listening to your partner when you ask them how their day was, Mm. you know, just making sure you find those pockets to actually have meaningful connection with the people that you care about. Um, And that, you know, sometimes the behaviours you see in people, you can make an assumption about what it's about, but it might be because they're highly anxious, as an example, or you know yeah really scared of some sort of interaction or something that's going on internally that i guess causes the outburst that you see or the um, unexpected response you know um and that you just don't always know yeah Mm. and that it's okay to slow down and to not know but to kind of have that space to share with people yeah 100 percent. yeah so i'd love to bring it back to arkvik now um you know anxiety and ocd and I'd love to know about um, kind of the root cause stuff because mm. I think when people first go through this, and this can be a form of OCD actually, is that constant checking and that reassurance yeah. of kind of where this comes from. Yeah. Um, where do you see that it does manifest? Mm. Um, give some awareness. Yeah. yeah, it's that's a really complex question. There's so many different yeah. answers. Yeah. You know, I um, want the right one. <laughs> <laughs> the right one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And look, and all of the research says different things. And I guess um, before I say any of that, I'll say that sometimes people go on and try and search for a really long time about why they feel like this. And sometimes they get some answers and sometimes they don't. But even when they do, it doesn't always kind of help to change or manage the feelings. So true. Um, For some people, it's quite a natural response to having gone through some really difficult experiences. So say if you've experienced something that's traumatic, and, you know, a long time ago, we used to think of only war as something that's traumatic, but anything can be traumatic. You know, mm. a car accident can be traumatic. A natural disaster can be traumatic. Watching those things on the news all the time can be really traumatizing. Yeah. And we're bombarded with them when they're going on. So it's quite natural after an experience like that, that we may continue to feel that fear response yep. for a really long time. But that's not the case for everybody. So then other research and others will talk about feeling like there's a whole trail of people in their families that they can say, you know, my mum, aunt, grandma, great aunt, etc. We were all anxious. Yeah. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're born anxious and that if you are, let's say if you are, but you're not, that you can't do anything about Mm. that. Yeah. But sometimes we might also have personality factors that lend themselves really nicely to being anxious. So if I'm a perfectionist, for example that really marries nicely with being anxious mm. yeah if i neuroticism in there yeah, yeah if i'm also have a bit of a controlling personality that also really lends itself nicely to feeling anxious because what we kind of learn pretty quickly is that we can't control everything yeah. we can control how we are 
but we can't control how someone else is going to respond to us. Uh, we, you know, there's only certain things we have power over. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be terrifying if I'm a really have a controlling tendency. Yeah. And so some personality factors lend themselves really nicely. Um, you know, there's always a debate as well about nature versus nurture. Sometimes we learn ways of being. Um, again, if I'm a really anxious person, it's not an automatic that my children will also be anxious. Yeah. So it's so complex. It's really, I think it's pretty hard to say, but it's often a mix of things for people. Yes. Yes. And I think what's a a really good way of, um, viewing what you just said then is, you know, different people are different just because you're, and let's say you are a naturally anxious person. It doesn't mean that you know that's a bad thing there are some there are probably some professions out there that would really benefit from someone like that yeah and that perfectionism like it's probably lends itself really nicely to certain work roles Mm. you know that we Um, need the society needs yeah 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 Yeah. Um, we can't uh, we can't all be you know police officers and things and that natural anxiety we can't all be the same that would be so boring it would be very boring yeah (laughs) my other half always says that when I'm like annoyed at someone on the road she's like hey hey if she saw it like you the world would be boring so boring shut up you're so right (laughs) (laughs) I know alright well so what are some things that um, typically say you know once kind of unpacked it and they've been at the place so how does the place work actually sorry so I think yeah Yeah. so the main things that we have is um, we've got a helpline on weekdays from 10 to 4 that people can just call up and talk about um, what they're experiencing they can also call up if they're incredibly heightened maybe experiencing panic sometimes we know lots of things about how to bring ourselves out of that and they all go out the window when we're in that state because the brain's kind of shut down so Mm. um, we'll have um, workers on the other end of the line who can help with some strategies to see if we can alleviate that and then talk if you want Um, but they're they're also to explore whatever options someone's looking for and help find some information referrals if that's relevant Mm. And then we've got a whole heap of support groups around Melbourne and Victoria that are free that people can go to. Again, because people on our helpline often tell us how isolating anxiety disorders can be. Yeah. To just be able to go and be yourself and just know that others are going through those similar things. Mm. Um, so they're the main things that we do. And then we've run lots of workshops and really? stuff like that as well. Yeah. What do some of your workshops entail? Yeah, so some of our workshops might be um, workshops where you just come along and learn a whole heap of strategies or sometimes we might run, say, a four-week mindfulness program where we're learning, say, a different principle of mindfulness every week and what it is that we're trying to aim at doing better when we're more mindful. Mm. So having being more aware of when our perceptions kind of off, as an example. If I notice that when it's happening rather than three days later, yeah. <laughs> I can choose what I want to do. Yeah, yeah stuff like that. Um, we run suicide intervention workshops and suicide awareness workshops. So just teaching anybody who's interested in how to have those kind of conversations with um, their loved ones or people that they work with, whatever mm. it might be. Yeah, so lots of different things. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, and you said a really good thing before. Uh, you know, when you do feel anxious, it does feel very isolating and, um, you know, almost by definition because you're yeah. worried something's going to happen to you. Yeah. So you're not connected to... 100%. To, to that. But um, yeah. I think what's great about the human spirit is that connection is, is just raising your hand and be like, hey, do you do you experience this as well? And Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're kind of the, some of the things we're aiming to be better at doing if we, say, practice being more mindful, you know, because we are so caught up in what's going on internally that maybe... Maybe we had an opportunity for connection. So maybe um, we'd organised to catch up and it had taken so long for us to find a mutual date that was yes. free and we're finally caught up for this conversation. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. thank you. We both, yeah, Right, it, right. but it's happened anyway. <laughs> I know, I know. 
you know, but we're finally there and we don't even get to enjoy the experience because we're caught up in what's going on internally mm. and all that fear that we're feeling about maybe not something that's going on right now, but something that I'm thinking about. That's yeah. so true. So yeah. it can, I guess, get in the way of us enjoying interactions and having those opportunities to connect. Yeah. 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 Like even when you're having big yeah. interaction it's like you almost feel like you're not even there yeah that's such a good that's point that's right so yeah. sometimes when we are that in that really anxious state it means we miss out on stuff that is happening yeah. you know even if we are kind of physically there yes yeah yeah so what would you say for someone then that's experiencing that was it's like um doesn't feel like they're engaged even when they're doing something that's almost trying to get them to be engaged yeah well i guess um i'm a big fan of mindfulness okay cool. you know i'm a big fan of it you know because it's all about noticing those things and if we if we the i guess the idea in my mind is if that if we can spend more time and in whatever way learning to focus on the present moment whether that's formally sitting down and doing some meditation or mindfulness or focusing on your breath or whatever that it will flow over into your daily life Mm -hmm. so that i'll be able to notice more if i'm doing that in an interaction and decide that i can actually use those strategies that i practice by myself at home Mm -hmm. right now to bring myself out of that, yeah. Um, because I think sometimes we can fall into this trap of going, oh, you know, I learned this technique this one time when I saw this counsellor and it was all right, but it didn't change my life. Yeah. And it won't unless we make it a habit. Yeah. You know. That's a brilliant point. I think um, a lot of people have probably gone through that thing where, you know, I did this thing. and Because yeah. a lot of that model is about unpacking layers of awareness, you know, to see how you became someone who was anxious which is totally fine because we all through it and then integrating these kinds of tools and techniques so that that doesn't happen again and um you know we mindfulness is such a bright a fantastic concept because it's it's trying to almost help you see where you're more anxious who you're more anxious with and how much and then you can take that stoic idea of can i change or do i need to remove myself yeah is this a helpful environment for me to be in um sometimes yes sometimes no and Mm. what can i do to feel better about it you know yeah and and what's what's um what's good good anxiety like is this we need some yeah you need some i'm nervous before a talk but this talk could be there's a lot on the line yeah that's it yeah it's like i might be feeling a bit nervous before doing an exam or something yeah but it's just saying something about the importance of that thing that you want to do well you know, you want to do well in that talk or, you know, whatever it might be. And that's okay. It kind of motivates us to yeah. do a good job. It also does protect us from danger, you know. So yes. crossing St Kilda Road, you probably want some anxiety to tell you to stop if there's too many cars coming yeah. too fast. But I guess we feel that that kind of um, level of fear sometimes in a really safe environment. And that's when we want to maybe consider what can I do about that. Yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. And to the first point that you made which is you know i'm a bit anxious that word thrown around now in the in the bubble of mental health devalues the necessity of anxiety sometimes yeah you know like does. i would want to be a little bit anxious crossing that road 100 percent. not of the lights yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'd be, that's right if i wasn't freaking out i'd be uh yeah something wrong with me. yeah yeah so we need it at some points but yeah, yeah sometimes we've also got way too much yes yeah, yeah. Right, so talk to us about OCD then, because yeah. this is another thing, like you said before, that a lot of people go, oh, I'm a bit OCD about this. Yeah. What's the difference? What is OCD? And if you haven't yet, surely you'll come across at one point something on social media, like a quiz yeah. that you can do, like a test to yes. see how OCD you are, and it's so <laughs> annoying. 
Um, and really, OCD is one of the most debilitating of all of the anxiety disorders, actually of all mental health conditions. I think the World Health Organization often has it in its top 10 of the most debilitating illnesses of all kind, not just mental health. So wow. at its worst, it can be really bad. Um, and I guess as the name suggests that there's two elements. So there's the obsessions which are intrusive and really distressing um, thoughts or images or impulses that someone might have that they absolutely despise. So the, the content's often really awful for that person. So it might be about um, harm to people that they love. Um, you know, it might be that all, yeah, they have this ongoing kind of thought that comes in about killing all their loved ones, for example. And sometimes this is confronting for someone who doesn't understand OCD to hear. Mm. And the important thing to remember is that they're really distressed by this thought because it's so out of their context of what they would actually want to do. Mm. So it's a really awful thought to sit with. So it might be about death or harm to others. Sometimes it's about sexual content that they find really distressing and uncomfortable or inappropriate. It could be around germs. So I think often in movies we might see that one play out more. But we might just see someone washing their hands a bit and we don't kind of get what's going on behind it. Yeah, that person might be so worried about germs to the point that they think if they get contaminated by something that they'll die. Mm. So it's often at a really intense level. So because those thoughts are so awful and terrifying to sit with, they create so much anxiety and fear compulsive behavior comes into play so that might be any kind of repetitive action it might be something you can actually see someone doing or it might be anything that is going on repetitively in the mind um, as a way i guess of kind of reducing the anxiety and the fear that the obsessive thought creates yeah so if i do and they're often really unrelated sometimes as yeah. well yeah and the person might understand that on a totally rational level go i know they're unrelated but what the brain starts to kind of connect is that, well, when I did this thing, my anxiety reduced for a little bit and or maybe it didn't come true. When I did that compulsive behavior, mm. I didn't kill all of my family. Very true. Yeah. Mm. And so it's worked. So sometimes there's a bit of magical thinking, I guess, going on. Yeah. And because it worked next time, I think about that thing again because it made me feel better and I didn't do that thing that I'm worried about, I'll do that compulsive behavior again. Again, whether it's checking, whether it's washing hands, whether it's some sort of uh, numbers or statements I need to repeat to myself over and over. Um, and so what happens is this cycle just keeps going on and on because it does help, but only for a little while because the OCD mind loves uncertainty. Mm. Yeah. And wants to be certain about things and you know we all kind of struggle with change and not being certain about stuff but on a way bigger level so yeah. uncertainty will creep back in or the thought will creep back in or what if there's still a chance that that might happen and because i'm sitting in this distressing space again now i have to do this compulsive behavior again to lower the intensity of how i'm feeling mm -hmm. and so on so i remember um a psychologist talking about um imagining like a little baby cub and feeding it so every time we feed that cub through compulsive behaviors it grows into this fierce fierce creature yes yeah, yeah. yes and that's kind of what's happening wow yeah. and so what about for people then that uh have the obsessive thoughts but don't necessarily have the compulsions how would you uh help someone not to feed the cub 
Yeah. And so often we used to, um, back in the day, talk about puro so that, um, that there was only obsessions. But what we actually know is that there is likely to be com- compulsive behavior in that person too. But it might be just stuff that's going on internally. Mm. Or it might be that they're seeking reassurance as an example from other people. Yep. So it might not be some sort of, you know, checking or hand washing or th- behavior that you can see playing out. But th- there's likely to be something compulsive going on internally. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's quite rare, I guess, that it's much rarer than we imagined the, the puro sense. That right. There is something compulsive, you're just not always seeing it. Yes, yeah. and that, that very, very difficult to see for yourself or other people. Yeah. Reassurance is the feeding of the... That's right. And as a loved one, you know, when you see your um, family member or your friend really distressed, it's actually really easy to provide them with reassurance. It comes out really naturally. <laughs> Because you want them to feel better. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, it's hard to see them in this awful state. Yeah. You know, so it might be that um, they are asking you, say they're really worried about germs, for an example, and they're really worried that the um, the soap that they're going to use might be contaminated. And you can see how distressed they are. You might sit there and kind of talk to them about how absolutely unlikely it is that there's anything wrong with it. Look, it's still in its beautiful, clean packaging. It doesn't look like it's been tampered with. And you'll probably see the relief on that person's face. Yeah, it's a reward. Like, oh, I'm going to do that more. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) But you might also notice that that relief doesn't hang around for very long because the OCD mind, again, the anxious mind likes to go, you know, that uncertainty creeps back in. What if there's a tiny chance that there's something wrong with this mm. product and I use it and I'm going to get so sick that I die. Mm. You know, so maybe I need to ask you again, actually. And that's actually showing us something really important. That's actually showing us if it was useful for me to tell you that you wouldn't need to ask me again. Very true. But it can be so hard not to get caught up in that kind of cycle in a household, as an example. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good takeaway for, um, again, friends, family members, people yeah. that are trying to be there um, or do the right thing by someone that's going through it is that you know the thinking mind and the feeling brain really struggle to talk with one another you can sit there and reassure someone but anxiety is an emotion it's coming from a different place yes um so i guess where you know organizations like yourself is 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 trying to get those two networks to speak to each other yeah um how would you go about that yeah so i guess um often treatment treatment for OCD can be quite challenging for people to engage with because it's almost asking you to do the opposite to that what feels almost counterintuitive so the the idea is that you actually get to a point where you don't respond to that obsessive thought that terrifying thought because the less um, the less you feed it Mm -hmm. yeah the less attention you provide to it the less meaningful it becomes in your mind so because again, when we're responding to it compulsively, we're telling our mind, this is important. This is worth responding to. Yep. Whereas we actually want to retrain our brain to go, it's actually not worth responding to. Yeah, have a lot of thoughts that are not true. And if you look at um, what obsessive thoughts are for someone who's living with OCD, um, and you go, so which ones are obsessive thoughts and which ones are normal thoughts? They're actually all normal thoughts, yes. but, but in this person's mind, it's become something really important. Mm. Yeah? We all have those thoughts. Yeah. yeah. If you look at a list again of common obsessions, we all occasionally have an obscure thought that might be harmful to someone else. That's so out of context. You go, where did that even come from? Yeah. I can't, who even am I? But you never think about it again. Yes. Or you might have an inappropriate sexual thought and go, oh, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you never think about it again. Mm. But the OCD mind fixates on it. 
Yeah. And when you say OCD mind, do you mean as in like there are some kind of uh, neurological predispositions? Or? Oh, not at all. I'm okay, just talking sorry. about what happens over time. Right. In you know when we're responding to something all the time, and where yes. the, the brain kind of rewires. I guess you know tell it keeps telling you you have to keep responding to this. It's important. If you don't, you know this terrible thing might happen. Yeah. 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 And and it is and it is terrible, but it's also that this is where mindfulness comes in, right? That yeah. it's just it is just a thought. It we is just a thought. Fifty thousand thoughts a day or something. So many. Yeah. yeah, and it's like one thought or two thought really can yeah lead to some serious issues. Yeah, hundred percent. And again, this is where mindfulness is so helpful because it's about learning to spend more time. And about no, mindfulness for me is about that moment that you notice you've gone off on a trail and you bring yourself back to right now. Yes. You know, and the more that we do that. We also know that we can rewire our brain to spend more time in the present moment. And there's so much research about how helpful it is and mm. research into, you know, who's the happiest kind of person. Is it someone who's thinking about negative stuff? Is it someone who's thinking about good things that have happened in their life? Or is it someone who's mindful, who's more just focused on the present? And it's the person who's focused on the present. God, I think if there is one takeaway that people um, can use from this is what you just said then, like... You have a look at uh, the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Like how much time would that guy spend practicing mindfulness? Oh, you know, yeah. his whole life. Yeah. He's probably the happiest guy in the world too, you know? Yeah. Like, that, I mean, just by way of virtue, he's just dedicated his life. Like I'm making a decision to be a happy person. Yeah. And therefore all the things that achieve that result, I have to put into my life all the time. Yeah. And, um, you got to work for it. You, you know? have to. Mm. Yeah, it's not easy, you know, and I'm sure even his mind goes off track. Of but course. he's very skilled at bringing it back immediately, you know, and that's what we're aiming to do more of. Mm. Um, and I think somewhere along the line we've been told that we need to be happy all the time and we need to look on the bright side and all <laughs> yeah. that kind of jazz, which is really minimizing Life actually. And, yeah, <laughs> and it really dismisses it. Sometimes actually we need to feel really average and that's perfectly fine and it's quite hard to know what it's like uh, to understand I guess what happiness is if you don't know what sadness is it's hard to you you can't just have bad and good emotions they just all are mm. we have all of them and we need to experience all of them mm. but we can also choose how much energy or fuel or fire we give them as well mm. yeah absolutely and and is that something that you talk about um in the recovery phase with people is that you know you are very anxious right now you've got some issues with OCD you know, you're not. We're not trying to get you to a perfect life. We're trying to get you to understand the importance of experiencing all things. Yeah, yeah. It's just to get to a point where you can. Yeah, I guess ideally you want to get to a point where you notice these things going on and you are able to identify that maybe this cycle that I'm stuck in is not helpful, but I, that I've got something else I can do instead. Yeah. I can pull myself back to getting out of that thought and just focusing on what is actually going on right now. You know. Um, and the more I can do that, the less attention I give that negative thought or that scary thought, you know, that over time it will subside. But it's not easy. So, yeah, because the thoughts are so scary. Mm. So, you know, um, I know at times I've spoken to, say, a parent who all they can think about is, um, you know, uh, harmful thoughts towards their family and it's the most excruciating thought which is why they respond to it because it's so out of what they would actually want to do that mm. there's so much fear about not responding to it because what if what if it comes true yeah, yeah i have to respond to it yeah so absolutely treatment's really a hard slog yeah. you know the standard kind of i guess the 
CBT is often a, a, a go-to, it's really hard work. It yeah. can be very successful, but it's really scary to learn not to respond to the thought. Yes, absolutely. Because it's about something so meaningful to that person. Yeah, yeah. it's normally something that um, really hits them at kind of the core value of, of who they are. Yeah. And, yeah. Where does that come in with um, people that are um, really OCD or anxious about germs? Is that something that is very important for them to stay clean or is it a wide different yeah. array of factors? Yeah, it's hard to know, I think. Yeah. yeah, I'm not actually sure about that one. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I guess it just takes on different forms in different, you know. And again, if we uh, think about what we know about OCD in the media, it's often the hand washing, yes. you know, and... Certainly, that is a common one, but those other um, types that I mentioned and many more yep. are, are of, yeah, it's a huge area. OCD in itself, there's so many different types of thoughts people can have. Um, yeah, why it starts, that's a tricky one, you know, whether that was something that was important to that person before. Sometimes, yes, sometimes, no, I think. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Only uh, time will tell with the research, I suppose. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So what are you guys doing now? Um, what's kind of the next thing for... Uh, it's a banging outside, I think, happening at the moment. <laughs> busy today. <laughs> Very busy today, yeah. Um, the next on the agenda um, for Arc Vic, you know, yourself, um, yeah. what's what's on the horizon? Yeah, well, we'd always love to see that we... Uh, we're trying always to secure some more resources so we can do more work. So, our, um, yes. you know, our helpline only runs from 10 to 4 on weekdays. We have four staff who are amazing, but... Okay, cool. So we're a very small service, but we have like 150 volunteers who wow. do all the on-the-ground stuff that we train up to work on the helpline, run support groups, and um, it, they're just the life and blood of Arctic, and we couldn't really function without them. So they're so incredible. But we'd always, we would love to be in a position where we have more resources, being mm. that we're the most... We're supporting people with the most common... Yeah. Anxiety is the most common mental health problem, and we don't even have, you know a really well-resourced um, national organisation that provides services or anything for mm. it. It would be, yeah, we're working hard to see if we can chip away slowly and do Definitely. some more things, provide some more education, provide some more, you know, um, recovery programs, group therapy programs. They're often so expensive and out of reach for people. Yep. You know, 10 sessions through Medicare a year doesn't quite cut it for most people. Yes. You know? So there's a lot to be done. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's also, you know, perhaps for you personally what is also very fulfilling is the responsibility you've taken on which is sensational yeah and speaking from um, personal experience i'm really really thankful for your work you know it's awesome yeah Mm. it's important work and yeah i love um i love also training our volunteers and just seeing them develop in their roles and just do this amazing work on the phones and in groups and and then they often go off to be um, health professionals that are then dedicating their services to anxiety disorders, which is really beautiful to mm. see that um, that little web kind of grow over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, Renee, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, um, thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's been really nice. I don't think this will be the uh, the only time. We'll have to check in again. Yeah, in a couple for months sure. And, I'd love uh, that. It's yeah. good fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where can people find Art Vic? Yeah, Anything. so we're online, so you can just search for arcvic.org.au um, and we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those things as well. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Until next time. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, guys. Team, I hope that wasn't too much information for you there. If it was, please make sure to rewind the podcast and get straight back into it. Uh, It's very important to me that you do. Uh, As always, you can have a look at the highlights and the full episode on my YouTube channel. So just type in Tom Ahern or MindMate Podcast, MindMate Counseling, anything in MindMate, it'll come up. 
Uh, if you want to learn more about what they do at ArcVic, you can go to Arc, that's A-R-C-V-I-C, arcvic.org.au slash about us. Um, it's also got their services there, some information around anxiety disorders as well as their volunteering programs. So I strongly suggest you do that. And until next week, guys, bye.